This is just a podcast. No, no it is just a podcast. This is just a podcast. Totem Talks. Well, did you script that at all? I didn't. My eyes were closed. I'm impressed. I'm imp- Thank you. <laughs> Your eyes were closed. Like you could have written it down and then memorized it. <laughs> I'm memorized sorry. Memorized a lyric? Not yeah, Fair. The fact that it's coming from you, that you're right. That could not have happened. <laughs> no, no, no. I did not memorize it. I actually was more concerned about how loud it was about to get. I, I was thinking and the same thing. You know what? That's a problem for the editor. That's right. But. I hate that guy. <laughs> not more than I do, friend. <laughs> fair. Very fair. Welcome in, everybody, to Totem Talks. We are on season six. It is episode four. It is episode four. I have... I have made an error in the title yeah, and almost threw myself off, but I didn't. And then had to really drastically explain it to you all because that's better. Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) (sighs) Nick, you know what, man? How have you been this week? I know we discussed Uh, a little bit off camera. You said you were a little busy busy this week. Yeah, Very busy. I see you've gotten a couple hairs cut. That's right. That's right. Uh, And shout out to to my buddy who cut my hair. I found out when I was there, he bought the barbershop last month and it's yeah like very excited for him oh man that's a big step it is it is good for him good for him so that's very cool i was excited to hear i'll actually have to go get a haircut from him now at some point definitely he's actually fairly close to you good yeah that makes it all the easier yeah yeah so what about you anything anything going on anything you know what man pretty uneventful this week i have uh i've just been working i've been getting used to you know my new medicinal routine right uh, kind of working through all the kinks on that, and other than that, just keep my head above water, you know. Yeah, it, uh, you got to do something about that leak. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you before we get into the real meat and potatoes of the episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I've really found this week has been a struggle for me. I I really tried multiple times this week to like dive into the creative space to work on some stuff for the album that we're mm-hmm. working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just for this week, I've just had zero like mental for it i understand just total blockages so you know i mean it happens we're working you know working through it and stuff but it's it's very interesting because i feel like what i what i'm noticing is like as i'm working on like my actual mental and physical and all of that stuff i'm i'm needing to pull creative from a different place Hmm. because i feel like i'm in a better place okay and so that's an interesting we gotta get you there, man. Yeah, right. I was like, I was like, wow. I, I really, I don't, I don't just have the tools to be as creative. I think when I'm not like secretly miserable. Hmm. So that's you know, a better yeah. thing overall. But it was it an is. interesting it thing is. to realize. Yeah. Speaking of being miserable, though, <laughs> why don't we talk about uh, the episode this? Week? I would love to. So, uh, gonna... so before oh, we get ahead. into the specifics. For anybody who hasn't seen the title or just clicked on it blindly because it's a Totem Talks episode, we do love you. Uh, this episode is titled Hair Metal Matchup. Yes. And that should give you all the info you need to know about Nick and I's disposition during the episode. Yes. There we yes. go. Okay. So we're going to start things off with Twisted Sister. And Twisted Sister is matched up against Rat. So that was the kind of week that it's been. Yeah, that it was. It has been. It has been that week. Yes. No spoilers. No spoilers. But uh, <laughs> I mean, do you want to kick things off? You want to just get right into Twisted Sister? Sure. You know what? I will. I will do that. Uh, as soon as I get the page up, here we go. 
Twisted Sister was an American heavy metal band originally from, and this is insane to me, Hohokus, New Jersey. Uh, and then later based in Long Island, New York. Now, Nick, we live in Pennsylvania. You're right. It's one of the closest states to New I've Jersey. Been, I've been to New Jersey. I've been to New Jersey so many times. A I did a show in times. New Jersey. How about that? Hohokus is not anything I've known of as New Jersey. Not aware of it. So shout out to New Jersey and to Hohokus, New Jersey. Absolutely. So anyway, back to Twisted Sister. Uh, they're years active. Uh, a whole hodgepodge here. Uh, 1972 to 1988. Then again from 1997 to 2001. Then it looks like a reunion in 2002. Then 2003 to 2016. And then it looks like another reunion in 2023. Right. Looks like those are the stretches that we've got going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we covered three albums. So we started with Under the Blade, which came out in 1982. We followed that up with Stay Hungry from 1984. And then Love is for Suckers from 1987. Yes. Uh, we did avoid a Christmas album. Yeah, we don't touch those. Just to be clear. Not real. We don't Although I will say uh, I have heard more often than I would care to admit their version of O Come, of o Come, All, Come Faithful, All You Faithful. Absolutely. Oh, which yeah. was everywhere. Yes. Uh, yeah. Undeniable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want uh, me to start with Under the Blade? Yeah. Go ahead and, go ahead and start us off. Sure. So... Here's the thing that's kind of interesting about this, because we we spoke about where they're from. Uh, and, you know, you would kind of assume that they were just they're an American band. They're an American band. But actually, yeah. they had to go to England to really find success early on in their careers, because in the late 70s, early 80s, that what's called like the new wave of British heavy metal what there was a lot of audience there, like very similarly around this time. Like the Stray Cats became very big in England because there was a revival of rockabilly, right? So like different uh, genres were popular over there that weren't hitting here as much at the time. So anyway, this this record was recorded in England, uh, and I didn't particularly enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's okay. definitely not for me. I hear a, a record like this, this type of of glam hair metal, like it it gets very samey very quickly for me. Um, and I, I, this was the fourth album I listened to because rat was my artist this week. And so I listened to them first. And then this was the fourth album of this type of music that I'd listened to. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, but it is significantly different from rat. It's like the same genre, but like, I can hear how these bands are different. I can hear how their voices are a little bit different. So that helped a little bit. I, I also hear maybe a little bit of that, that influence of the new wave of British heavy metal in here too. Like it's the glam rock, but also you can hear maybe they were over there listening to a band like Judas Priest and maybe that influenced the way they did things like a little bit too on their record. Um, at the end of the day though, it was, it was unenjoyable to me. Um, and the one thing that I go back and forth between Twisted Sister and Rat, like the way they matched up this week, like what did I like more? What did I like less? And I didn't really like anything. But I didn't hate everything either. I found this album in particular to be like more over the testosterone drivenness um, relative of rats. Like the cock rock doesn't work for me. Like the the let's just shout it out and we're rocking because we like to rock. And like, I'm sorry, it's it's all lost on me. It's all lost on me, and this record <laughs> is lost on me. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the thing. 
I have some positives and some negatives. I my new philosophy is when I kind of know going in that I'm going to have a more negative disposition towards a group that I'm going to start with some positives. I'm going to make sure. a list of positives. I like it. So I have things to talk about other than they suck. I hate them. I hate them. I hate yeah. Them. Some positives for this album. I like the very distinctive sound of D Snyder's voice. It is distinctive. I like that it's so distinctive. I like you immediately can hear what it is. I like that he constantly does sound like excited and into the song. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, pure vocalist. He's not the greatest. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, There are better singers in the genre, but he's he's unique. Yeah, it's Um, a unique sound. mm -hmm. Uh, Some other positives. It, it, It does have mostly like the glam metal power chords mm-hmm. throughout, but I think there are enough riffs that have like moments in there sure. that it, it was a little bit more compelling than like the typical. Yeah. The musicianship is certainly not bad. Yeah. Uh, and then my other big positive for this album is kind of what you mentioned. It's not strictly hair metal. Right. There is yeah. some mm-hmm. like some heavier metal involved. Some of the new wave. Yeah. All of those things involved in this album that weren't just pure, like, extreme. Like, yeah. if we're going back to, like, hair metal that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, on a in, on a week where I knew we were getting mostly hair metal, yeah. uh, that was something I kind of gravitated towards. It was like, ah, it's yeah. not all hair metal. There, there are some differences here. Uh, I mean, the negatives for this album, you kind of already touched on them. For me, the big issue I have with hair metal is the repetition it's yeah, the just, songs it tend feels, to, to drag together. Right. Like they they blend together. The chords are similar. The keys are similar. There doesn't feel like there's a ton of depth. Mm-hmm. And this album is no exception. Even though there are glimpses of non-hair metal, the repetition still yeah. is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to move on to Stay Hungry. And here's what I'm going to say about Stay Hungry. This album... Uh, really is the album that put Twisted Sister on the map. Oh, yeah. For I what I think is one main reason. It coincided with the rise of MTV. Yeah, that makes sense. And so the two singles from this album, We're Not Gonna Take It and I Wanna Rock, yeah. were both made into MTV music videos. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a time when music videos were happening, but not quite as prevalent. And when they became music videos, the humor of this band, like the videos themselves are full of like dumb slapstick comedy things that mm-hmm. are completely at odds with the music itself. Sure, sure. And I think that's what really catapulted this group is like they when you see the video, you totally see that this band's not taking themselves too seriously. Yeah. And I that think helps. that's really important. Now Moving on to some actual like positives in the music because there's there's a lot in this one for me. They actually attempt lyrics here, mm. which is something that a lot of glam metal, hair metal does not do. They're they're going deeper at times. Uh, I wrote down two examples quickly, uh, and I didn't write down what songs they're in because I'm an idiot. You are. Huh. <laughs> um, I so I actually remember the second one. But uh, there's one where it says there's no room for the wannabes, the has-beens, or the bad. Mm-hmm. Which is just like an interest. Like, there's actually like some message there. Cool. And then I know this second one is from Burn in Hell. Which is make your choice now for tomorrow may be far too late. It's at least an attempt it's at something. writing something. It's not just exactly. like, it's not like I want to rock. Rock. 
Right. I want to <laughs> rock. It is something. There's some depth there, which for the most part is not in a lot of things. Yeah. And then the last thing that I loved about this album, but I'm going to hold off because it's part of my informative deep dive. Okay. But just know it's the horror terrier. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, which we will discuss. The Horror Terrier is a seven and a half minute, almost eight minute long song. It's like at two the songs that run one. into each other, essentially. Right, and we'll discuss the specifics of it, but it's on this album, so I wanted to put it as a yeah. big plus. Okay. Negatives, actually not too many. It's a, For its genre, which obviously mm-hmm. you know is not my favorite, Yeah, it's a very well-constructed album that takes creative license with itself. Mm-hmm. And actually attempts things that stretch the like safety net a little bit. Yeah. So all positives for me on this one. Okay, fair enough. So uh, I'm not going to be like crazy lower on this than you. I mean, this is considered one of the top glam metal albums of all time, and I do think I do understand why. Like, it's definitely clear to me. It's it's far from the worst thing that we've listened to. Um, I think there are good things to take away from it, like. I was driving into work this morning when We're Not Gonna Take came on, and I'll be damned if I didn't sing along, man. Yeah, of course. I probably haven't listened to that song in 15 years, and I was just like, ah, you know what? I'm all in on it. Yeah. Let's, let's enjoy it while we're here. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting, um, that song Burn in Hell that you mentioned. Like, it, at least at the very start of it, it was very doom metal-y. It was very, like, Sabbath-inspired, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I thought think one thing for sure that i notice on this record is the guitar solos compared to a lot of other hair metal glam metal bands they're not just like rip roaring 16th and 32nd notes constantly right in your face like they're actually slower more melodic guitar solos on a lot of these songs mm-hmm. which and they build and they'll go places and that's great like but i just thought that was different and interesting and i liked it i enjoyed the the if you want to get to the crazy shredding part like there's a little bit of a slower, more melodic build um, that gets you all the way there that some of these groups I don't hear that from nearly as much. Uh, so I dug that. So, I mean, I didn't love the album. Will I ever listen to this album again? Probably not. But if there was any album of the six that we listened to this week that I had to re-listen to, it would be this one pretty easily, I think. Right. Um, Which is high praise absolutely. for us for a glam metal album. Absolutely. So... Their next record, the last record, Lovers for Suckers, I found this super interesting because I never would have guessed. Basically, everything Twisted Sister did came out between 82 and 87, like until the, they reunited and did the Christmas album. Yeah. All of their original music happened in, in that very short span of a little more than half a decade. Um, and they fell off really quick. I mean, they had the success of Stay Hungry. They went triple platinum because of those two huge singles. This album doesn't certify, and it doesn't go any higher than 74 on um, the Billboard Hot 100. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't have the standout tracks. It doesn't have the like something really catchy to remember like the other one did. It didn't have those interesting moments like the Horror Terria or Burn in Hell, where you got like a little something that was a little bit different in terms of the metal genre that made you stop and think about, oh, is there a different influence or something going on here? This one just felt like as mindless um, as as some of the the lesser stuff of this genre. It didn't really do much for me. It was kind of a shame. Like the first record, the first record and this one are both equally in that place of 
does nothing for me. Can't remember it. I'm getting bored just listening to it because all the songs are starting to blend together and sound the same. And they all just sound like a parody of the genre almost. Um, so it kind of sucked that they like they peaked and then valleyed again so quickly, at least in my opinion. So we have similar but slightly different opinions about this album because you were slightly below neutral on the first album mm-hmm. and slightly below neutral on this album. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with you. I was slightly below neutral on the first album. And I actively hate this album. Oh, okay, good. Uh, and the reason, it's very <laughs> simple. Sure. You can totally hear that they completely sold their souls on this album. Oh, yeah, it's phoned in. It's so, it's, it's so it's, phoned in. Th- so this album started, uh, the b- very beginning of it was a D. Snyder original project. Mm-hmm. And D. Snyder in his original music is way more poppy, like pop metal Sure. And less of the hardcore sound the hardcore sound of Twisted Sister. So it began as that. Then Twisted Sister, they, they decided to make it a Twisted Sister album. Twisted Sister puts their, you know, Twisted Sisterness into it, glams it up a little bit more, weighs it down a little bit more with some heaviness. And the result is, like, just a mess. <laughs> it's completely, like, contrived and phoned in, as you mm-hmm, mentioned. Mm-hmm. The lyrics have gone from in the in that second album I was like oh they're attempting An attempt was stuff. made there's yeah. some depth in this one you have a song called hot love and the whole song is is exactly what it sounds like it's about mm-hmm. most of the songs are are in that similar vein of like ah now we're just talking about like hot love love is for suckers i'm so hot for you like it's a, the, like i want this night to last counts. forever yeah yeah it's just the only semi-highlight and the only like kind of positive and also the only song they will ever play off this album uh, at least up until their most recent hiatus but Mm -hmm. for the rest of time breakups reunions whenever they would play songs nothing off of this album except for wake up the sleeping giant okay which while being repetitive and simple at least has elements of their earlier work with some interesting guitar work um, a little bit of a heavier vocal sound, mm-hmm. but real bad stuff. And like this album and it's just huge failure is the reason the band broke up. Yeah. Uh, so basically they were kind of breaking up. Then they kind of made this album as like the anchor baby mm-hmm. uh, for anybody familiar with that term of like, well, D's working on this. But like if we make it a Twisted Sister album, maybe we'll all fall back in love. Didn't work. Album flopped. They all broke up. So yeah, it was, it was bad. I really didn't enjoy it, uh, yep. and I didn't enjoy the process of it being made or listening to it in sure. general. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> uh, All right, so, let's get into the stuff. The stuff now. Uh, so we're going to start with the most unique thing mm-hmm. about this artist, and this is where I'm going to take us back to Horror Terria. So Horror Terria is, a, as we mentioned, a two part like song. There's two movements in it. There's, and there's like they don't sound. It sounds kind of forced to, for them to be together to me. It, yeah, well, because if you, the lyrics here, I wanted to talk about this when I mentioned the lyrics mm-hmm. because the lyrics here are brilliant uh, in terms of the story they're telling. It's telling the story of like a serial killer murderer named Captain, Captain Howdy. Howdy, and he's this big villainous guy, and then. The second song, Street Justice, 
is like glorifying the vigilantism that kills Captain Howdy. Pretty straightforward, right? Pretty, it makes sense. It's an interesting story. I think it makes sense musically uh, in terms of it, it being a juxtaposition because the first song is from Captain Howdy's point of view. Okay. The second one is a different point of view. Why? That's why it sounds different. What? I'm sorry. I have to ask you something really quickly about this song. Yeah. You know, there was a, a very short-lived band named Captain Howdy, presumably after the song. Oh, I actually did not know that. Do you know who was in it? No. Penn Jillette. <laughs> okay. And they released two albums, one of which featured Debbie Harry. Fascinating. Yep. Wow. I just had to... I, well, that is extremely oh, interesting. They released a single, I have to listen to this now, called Captain Howdy, the best song ever written. Uh, you know what? I don't think it's the best song ever written by any means. <laughs> I don't either. But it was definitely, Horror Terry was the most interesting song of the week. For the I reasons that. I said, the story elements of it, the, the deep dive into it. And also, because this song, which was released in 1984, spawned a film that Dee Snyder wrote and starred in, in 1998, uh, called Strangeland. Hmm. So because of Captain Howdy and the Horataria, uh, Dee Snyder starred in a film called Strangeland, and uh, Linda Cardellini was actually in it. It was like a horror movie. It was a full-fledged 1998 horror movie where Dee Snyder played Captain Howdy. So huh. I think that's pretty damn unique. Like, Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> based on a song he wrote, he wrote a movie and was in the movie. Right. So that was pretty interesting. Okay. Can um, I say one other thing about this band, Captain Howdy, now that I've... I've oh, yeah, I've you can talk about it. Captain Howdy, yeah. So th this band also features guitar work from a guy named Billy West, who is actually a voice actor. Billy who, West, who like, played Fry in oh, Futurama. Play, okay, yeah, you're right. He does play Fry and Professor Farnsworth and Zoidberg. Yeah. And he also was Bugs Bunny in Space Jam, and he was also Doug, Doug Funny. Yeah, that's oh, fascinating. Yeah. So he that's, played guitar on the album. Cat, okay. The band Captain Howdy. That's actually hilarious. That's yeah, crazy. what are the odds? Okay. I would I'm never have. I would never it's, have thought about that. I know so much weird stuff, but now I'm done. He was also on Ren and Stimpy. If You're anybody, right. Deep mm -hmm. cut. Uh, okay, so going back, uh, going back to uh, Twisted Sister. Uh, in terms of meanest or nicest things, I really was looking for a meanest thing. I really struggled for either of this. Right. Rap. So I was really looking for a meanest thing because when I did Dolly Parton, I didn't have a meanest thing. Yeah. And I don't have one. I mean, this band has really not seemed to do like mean things. I have, I didn't see any like any essences of like like bad events or like crazy drug things. I, I was looking and I didn't see anything. Sure. Uh, in terms of nicest things, I do have one, So, uh, which is going to tie into the six degrees. I have two six degrees, so I have 12 degrees of Totem Dogs. I love it. Uh, the first one is there was a an album called Twisted Forever, which was a tribute album. And the reason I'm not counting this one as my official six degrees, because I did a tribute album with Dolly, but it's the same thing. Joan Jett sang on it. Oh, we okay, covered nice. Joan Jett once. Yes, we did. On this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but the reason I wanted to mention the album is because it came out in August of 2001. Now, Nick, August of 2001, a very calm, a very time. peaceful, calm time that led into September of 2001, yeah. which was less so. Correct. So the band reunited again, uh, and then had like been on hiatus, wasn't really doing anything, mm -hmm. and then. 
they did the tribute album for them. They recorded a song on it. I believe they recorded Sin City for it, which is not a cover of theirs, obviously. <laughs> uh, but they're reunited again, freshly reunited. It comes out in August of 2001. Boom, 9-11. Yeah. So the band, uh, for the first time in years, performed at a benefit concert uh, for 9-11, specifically for the NYPD and FDNY Widows and Orphans Fund. And they raised $100,000 for them. Great. So yeah, I mean, that was their, it was one of their first public performances since reuniting, and that's what it was for. So that was a nice thing. That was a pretty nice thing they did. Yeah. Uh, Now... Career highlights and lowlights. Uh, these are these are more D. Snyder focused by necessity okay. because D. Snyder, frontman of the band, uh, very public uh, figure and very public in in terms of his relationship with Twisted Sister. Mm-hmm. So the first thing, the first highlight for me, these are both uh, political. Mm-hmm. It's hard to talk about Twisted Sister without talking about. Uh, the PMRC committee. So that's kind of one of their big things. They were under fire, uh, specifically from Tipper Gore, (laughs) who found that the song Under the Blade referred to, quote, sadomasochism, bondage, and rape. Uh, While Dee Snyder then testified at Congress, Mm -hmm. and his testimony at Congress was concluding that... Uh, the song was actually about surgery and the fear that that's, that surgery instills in people. Mm. And it was trying to, it's trying to get you as a, as a listener to feel that fear. Sure. And that the only sadomasochism, bondage, and rape in this song is in the mind of Miss Score. Sure. Yeah. And it was, it was so eloquently spoken by him that it swayed a lot of people and was one of the important things that kind of started removing the stigma of like rock and metal as like devil music that was yeah. very prominent all the way up until this time. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like the Satanic Panic of the '80s was largely right, you know, intertwined with this fear of music. Um, yeah, but that's I always think of Zappa at those at those hearings in Congress and and the sure way Zappa that, was another huge part. And of he it. Frank Zappa was a lot smarter than I would say about ninety eight percent of the people who've ever been elected to Congress. <laughs> so it was very interesting. Yeah, um, you know, watching hey. those back and forths. It, it really was, and it was just one of those things that was super interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other the other one, these are real quick. Uh, D. Snyder, the band in general, but mostly D. Snyder, is very particular about who and and where the song "We're Not Going to yeah. Take It" oh, gets I'm used. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like he is he is very well known to completely quash it if you are using it for anything. It was used at uh, like uh, pro life rallies, and he came out and was like, "I'm pro choice. I don't think being pro choice and Christian are mutually exclusive." Uh, he also used it in uh, relation to the teacher strikes and dedicated it to teachers during Rocktopia. Mm-hmm. Sure, that makes so, sense. It's very interesting. He's ta- he is very open to using the song uh, for his own means and like putting the kibosh on you using yeah, it. Yeah, if he doesn't a agree with your. Other- Covered who are very similar, like yeah. Neil Young, and The Machine, are both very. Which is always very funny to me when people like against the machine and has policy. Like, oh, you, like, like, listen to it. Do you know yeah, anything like, about what on. they are? Do you know what the come machine on. is? <laughs> One of they're in I it. I guess not. Yeah, they're in the machine. Uh, but most more recently, uh, he stopped it from being used during 
mask protests and then immediately let the Ukraine use it. And people complained about that. And he said, well, one use is for righteous battle against oppression. The other is infantile feet stomping against an inconvenience. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yes. Now, unfortunately, there is a low light. Uh, Uh, This is, I would call this like a mid light. Sure. Personally. Uh, And this, no lie, this article is from five hours ago today. What are the odds? So I, I was looking it up. I couldn't find anything today. D. Snyder ha- has been uninvited from performing at the San Francisco Pride Festival. Why? Uh, now, D. Snyder, very, very publicly supportive of the LGBT community. I would imagine so, yeah. Very much involved in that. So he was going to, they were going to make the hit, We're Not Going to Take It, hence the previous thing, into the theme song for the event. And what happened was uh, Paul Stanley from Kiss Ugh. made this long post about uh, how gender reaffirmation in, in younger people, you know, children and young teens, is not okay. And how they don't know what it is. They're blah, blah, blah. You can read the whole quote. I'm not reading the whole yeah. thing. Uh, and you can form your own opinions. I'm not forming any opinions on this for, for you, the audience. Sure. Uh, but it's Paul Stanley. He made this big quote, and uh, D commented on it, and he said, "You know what? There was a time where I felt pretty too. Felt pretty in quotes. Glad my parents didn't jump to any rash conclusions." Well said, Paul Stanley. Mm. Immediately, the LGBT community uh, and specifically the Pride Festival were not loving that, right? At all. So this was May first of this year that this happened. So this oh wow! Is okay, brand new. Yeah. So they mutually agreed to part ways for the festival. And that, you know, so that's definitely for somebody who's been as outspoken and yeah. publicly supportive. It's It's been, you know, that's definitely what I consider a low light. However, sure. uh, the, the San Francisco Pride, they came out and were talking about it. And they mentioned that they really appreciate that DC sees this as a teachable moment. And had said that he sees it as a reminder that even allies need to be educated mm-hmm. to ensure they're not casually promoting transphobia. Oh, good for him. So, like, okay. it's a low light. It happened. It's not a great thing. But I, even the I Pride Festival were like... I don't like, think anyone who is always open to changing their mind or seeing things from a new perspective or realizing that they were doing something that hurt someone and then like wanting to learn how to change is doing something wrong. Like sure. this was, yeah. I, like I'm, I agree. I'm glad that he took that approach. And, and so am I, which is why I wanted to, I wanted to talk about it. It's super new. It's super fresh, but I think that it, it's something that's taking a negative and you know, it seems that he is taking the positive approach to it of like, cool. I'm going to learn from this. Obviously, even though I try to be as educated as I can be, there's always room for more. Boom. Perfect. So, that's it. Real quick, my actual six degrees, and then oh, I'm God. done. Yeah, please, sir. Hey, <laughs> I had a lot of facts here. Mm-hmm. There was some interesting stuff. So the real quick six degrees. Uh, their whole look, their whole glammed up, like makeup, high heels, crazy look, was fully based on the New York Dolls. Oh, sure, that makes total sense. That's they I they saw the New it. York Dolls I see it very clearly, and were like, we want to look like them and do this instead. Sure. So they looked like the New York Dolls and did glam metal instead. That's my six degrees, and I'm done. And we're moving on to rat. 
Rat was an American glam metal band formed in Los Angeles, California. And they were formed in the 1970s, and they were active from 1976 to 1992. Then again from 1996 until 2022 when they went, quote, on hiatus. Right. And we will see the level of hiatus it is. Yeah, we'll wait with bated breath. (laughs) Uh, We covered three albums. We started with Out of the Cellar. Uh, which came out in 1984. We followed that up with Invasion of Your Privacy from 1985. And then we wrapped things up with Infestation from 2010. And, yes. sir, it's you get turn. to go my first. My I get to go first. Yeah, I went first on Twisted Sisters. Good, good. Well, I'm going to start with a quick moment here. Of course. People ask what's wrong with hair metal. And I think this album is a great example of what's wrong with hair metal because it's structurally pretty boring in the overall. It's It's very predictable. It's very predictable. And it just feels like a marketing stunt. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what is tough for me because it feels like it's going to sell because it's what's popular at the time. But it, I don't feel the creative juice in, in, in this genre. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go into some positives first, like I said. Of course. For this album particularly. R- round and Round Brand is a popular song. Brand. Regardless of the lyrical moments of it, which is non-existent. <laughs> I actually thought the guitar solo here was really good. Oh, yeah, I agree. I thought the guitar solo was like technically surprisingly good for the genre. I thought... Generally speaking, spoiler alert, that the guitar playing on Rat Albums was was very well done. Oh, I I have that. As, we'll talk. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. But uh, I thought that that was uh, a very, like, highlighted moment for me was, like, the, that guitar solo happened, and I was really impressed. Uh, and then the other one, I think, especially compared to D. Snyder specifically, while I love the distinctiveness of D. Snyder's voice... And I think it's more distinctive than Stephen Piercy's. Stephen Piercy's the better singer. He's the yes, better pure correct. vocalist. Yeah, I agree. And I enjoyed that. And that came across to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got this, like, just piercingly high voice. Mm-hmm. And I mean piercingly in a good way. Like, it pierces above the music. Yeah. It holds its own against these heavier sounds. So both of those are positives for me. Now, the negatives, it's just so predictable lyrically. Like, there's just not a single moment on this album where I didn't know exactly what lyric was next. Yeah. I felt like I've heard one song on this album. Correct. And I could have sung the whole album back to front. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like, that's just what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. It's so, repeti- so repetitive, so simple. And it feels, honestly, to me, the thing I think that the reason I don't like this album particularly is I feel like this album thinks I'm stupid. <laughs> Like, it's not trying to challenge me as a listener at all. And, like, I like albums and songs that, like, challenge something for me. I Challenge me musically, challenge me, like, spiritually, emotionally. Uh, Do something. Don't just exist. As a a composer, as a lyricist, anything. Yeah. So that that is my opinion on this one. Okay. Um, So I'm going to be really positive on this one, and here's how. I didn't hate it. Good, good. The guitar playing was really good. Here's the thing about this record. Uh-huh. I mean, you've captured so much of it. 
you could actually, instead of listening to it, just go look at the album cover and you've heard the entire thing. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> like, yeah. If you don't know what I mean, just look at the album cover, Out of the Cellar by Rat, and you'll understand exactly what every song is going to sound like. So, in some ways, that's good because they really understood who they were and they were able to represent that artistically. In other ways, it's bad because I, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I mean, Round and Round will forever be their claim to fame. It's it's their one huge song that has endured, despite the fact that they've had four albums go at least platinum or more. Um, and it's it's fine to listen to. It's fine. Okay. I'm That's done. your opinion? And here's, here's what I'm going to say. Invasion of Your Privacy, my very first comment is, did I just hear the same album again? <laughs> I mean, it's not bad it's not bottom of the barrel for the genre it's just that 80 percent of what you heard over the first two albums is completely interchangeable like i'm actively getting bored listening to it like there's so much happening but i'm like my mind is drifting i can't focus on this because it's just so boring because you don't even notice when it's going from song to song yeah. And that's it. I, I, I don't even have positives this time because okay. I already said anything that was going to be a positive about the first album. And this album was the same album. Fair enough. I understand. So I'm going to start with something that I discovered while listening to this album. Uh, I was so bored listening to it that I was reading <laughs> stuff at the same time. Sure. And I, I came to find out that this album, uh, surprise, uh, was caught under fire by the PMRC again. No surprise. Which we just <laughs> talked about. And specifically, other than the excessively sexual lyrics, mm-hmm. which exist. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's when we say typical glam hair metal, that's what they talk about, love and sex. Uh, it also drew attention because the album cover features a Playboy model, Marianne Gravatt. Mm. And she also was featured in the Lay It Down music video. And so they wanted to put a parental advisory sticker on it. Okay. Uh, and so that was, you know, that was an interesting little factoid for me. In terms of the album itself, uh, what I, my note is, mm-hmm. it feels to me like Demartini just put the rest of the band in a backpack and is carrying them the whole way. Yeah, he's one of the leaders. I mean, dear Lord, the rest of this album, other than Warren Demartini, it, yeah, it's just the he's guitar. brutal. It's because it's just so repetitive. And the one thing that I was disappointed in, this is only a year later, so there's no degradation to Stephen Piercy's mm-hmm. vocals. But I don't know if it's the mix. I don't know if they just went safer with his lines, his melodic lines. It just doesn't have that same piercing quality of the first one, mm-hmm. which was the only fucking thing I liked about it. Yeah. <laughs> and they took that away from me. So I was very disappointed uh, in this one. I completely agree with what you're saying. It was... It was the same, mm-hmm. but not as good. And now here's the song for me. You mentioned Round and Round with the repetitiveness, and I yeah. said, there's another one. The opening track of this album, You're in Love, Yeah, they just repeat that on the one every <laughs> time for the whole song. It's like, you're in love, like you're in love, and then there's a lyric, you're in love, and then there's a lyric, you're in love, and then there's nothing. You're in love. Uh, oh, for the whole three minutes. Uh, it's just an e- just I in your, that didn't happen. It's brutal. 
So like there's catchy, cool, like a catchy line. And then there's just you're going to remember this song because you will never be able to forget it. Yeah. And that's what they did to me. So uh, I hate sorry. them for that. Understandable. Understandable. So I'll take us into infestation. Here's the comment. For pe- so what I mentioned was there was a comment that somebody somebody posted about rat. I'm not going to go specific. I'm not going to call this this human being out in regards to this album uh, because it did not quite achieve as high as albums from rat in the sure. 80s. And there were people saying, like, I just don't get the hype of rat. And they said, for people who don't get the hype of rat, you just had to be around in the 80s when they came out. I'm not exaggerating when I say this was the 80s Beatlemania. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a, that was a joke? Where's the, that was a serious, a serious comment on reviews for this album. That's that's not when real. they when people were like, I just don't get the hype. It's all right. I guess it's not great. It's fine, I guess. And this dude was like, you don't understand. In the 80s, they were the Beatles. I had and- I was like immediately I felt such emotion in my heart and soul. <laughs> I had to immediately copy and copy that into that's my notes. That's not real. I don't. And I, don't believe I swear, dude. It no was- one lives that that far from <laughs> reality, right? Well, I. I wish I could tell you that it was a joke, but I think it was absolutely not. Okay. Is that all you had to say? About <laughs> no, no, no. I'll talk about, I mean, here's the thing. It's hard for me to say anything about this album because I don't remember anything about this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only things that I can tell you are it was a reunion album, so it's not like this band's been together this whole time. So... I can kind of understand why it sounds the exact same. I can kind of understand that. They hadn't been recording together or being together. There were other lineups involved. This was Piercy and Demartini getting back together again. Okay. It was, they didn't reinvent the wheel. And I assume that if I was a fan of this band, I would like this album. Because it holds, it holds up to the previous two albums. Which, of course, means I hate it. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's repetitive. It's dull. There's been no growth. They hold up. Uh, the Vocally, Piercy holds up. It's passable in vocals. Guitar is still good. Demartini's got his moments. But this album could have come out in 1986. Probably should have. Had no need to come out in 2010. That's my opinion. Okay, so my opinion is highly tied in tears, and you'll see uh, my frustration here. So I'm looking at this, and then I and I before I start reading up on it, and and I once I've, I've just sort of started my listening, uh, I see that their 1999 album Rat uh, is noted for its musical direction shift to a quote more blues influenced hard rock sound and further from their hair metal roots. No, and way. I'm like, oh, cool. I might really dig this record. This could be a great change of pace. And then I click on Infestation, and it says, uh, (laughs) Conceptually, we kind of wanted to revisit the period of Out of the Cellar and Invasion of Your Privacy. We were trying to uh, shoot for something that could fit between those two records. Uh, So then I was like, Oh, no. You know what? It's going to be the same record again. Go ahead. I got to give them mad props 
for having a clear, concise goal mm-hmm. and absolutely hitting it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, props for setting out to do exactly what you wanted creatively. Mm-hmm. You're, you're I hate wrong. it, but props but it for doing it. Wanted. Yeah. So anyway, now that I've, I've gone through this roller coaster, I put the album on. And it turns out it's not even it's not even Rat on the record. It's just it's just Def Leppard, <laughs> because whatever happened between the eighties and twenty ten made Piercy's voice sound exactly like the lead singer of Def yeah, Leppard. That's, that's a good and point. They were all like, you know what? Let's just tweak our guitar tones just a little bit so that we sound exactly like the guitarists from De- Def Leppard. And Def Leppard was really popular. They sold a lot of records. So, I mean, maybe if we sound so similar that people just won't know whether they're this, this rapper playing on the radio, that they'll want to. I did not. I ha- I've my tolerance for this type of music wished at this point at the time I'm listening to this record. Good, good stuff. Yeah, that that's all I have to say. This is this was not an enjoyable let's, experience. Let's start our grading. Okay, let's so, start our grading. We move on. Impact. This one's interesting to me because of a conversation we were having between the artists. Twisted Sister, I feel like, is the more readily recognizable name. Yeah, I feel like Twisted Sister has two big and enduring hits, whereas Rat had one. But if you look at the overall success of their career, Rat sold more albums. Rat albums sold more. Uh, reliably, rats seem to have the more consistent and larger fan base over the over the course of the decade. Right, which and is here's really what I'll interesting. Say. I think you just said your your last statement there is why I'm going to give the scores that I'm going to give over right. the course of the decade. Mm. Cultural impact is way more overarching than that, as we've established. Right. So I think as we go into like breadth of work. That's where Rat's going to separate a little bit. Yeah. But I think for cultural impact, everything you just said about Twisted Sister is true. Mm-hmm. Like, they're more enduring. Their hits are bigger yeah. and more Dee enduring. D. Snyder's much more famous than anyone in Rat. Yeah. D. Snyder is a bigger name. They are more impactful outside of just mm-hmm. the glam metal scene. So I think they get a higher score here. I do agree. Although not wildly higher to me because you just have to take into account the differences in popularity when they were around. For their actual playing career. Sure. I understand that part of it as well. So, I mean, I, it may temper a little bit. But I think I don't yeah, want to I fall mean, into the trap of we know Rat's going to do better in Breath of Work for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. So, like, I want to be I want to make sure we're sure. separating oh, there's a difference. There's what a difference, causes but it's success. not a huge difference. It's like no more than a point, I would say. for Sure. sure. The, now, the question then becomes, where are we setting our I, expectations. If I'm here. being honest with you, I think a five is really the max I'm willing to go for anyone here. Really? I don't. Know. I'm a I little mean, cause, higher because uh, Twisted Sister, like they didn't necessarily invent hair metal. Sure, they didn't have more than two huge songs that have lasted, and like that was it. Like they had that one huge album, and then the rest of their career was not really thing anything that people knew about. Sure. I'm with you on that stuff. I'm not disagreeing with you on those parts. Yeah. Uh, I will say I'm the reason I'm a little higher is more for the outside of music things of Twisted Sister. And let me be clear. I'm not that much higher. I'm not like six. No. No. Absolutely not. But I'm thinking closer to like a five, four-ish. I think the things they did specifically with the PMRC, specifically with like 
political activism with D. Snyder just yet again making waves during, like I mentioned, the use of we're not going to take it for the Ukraine war. Mm -hmm. Like these things have kept them popular and in in culture. So I, I'm a little over. I think just purely average doesn't make sense to me. What if I give you a five three and we give Rat a four three, and that's and fine. Then we move on with our lives. That's that's good for me. Okay, Breath of Work, Twisted Sister. They only get credit for five albums with us, yeah. um, and they had one sell triple platinum and two sell gold. Yeah, and I that's, mean that's that. So um, five albums is going to put them right at a 4.3. And I think those sales get them close, but not to five. Yes, uh, I especially would say, since honestly, they're like under 4.6 even, just because I'm thinking they're not near the 50 million album marker, no. really. Um, I mean, I, I could give them a 4.6. I can give them point three points for the, the triple platinum and the two golds. Okay, so yeah, they're started at 4.6. And now how many bonus points do we want to give them? I will give them nothing. I will take away nothing because I'm extremely generous, but I will give nothing. I will also give them nothing. Excellent. To be very clear, I, uh, I've i said the most positive things I can about yes. them, and it, it equates to no bonus points. Now, Rat, on the other hand, has seven studio albums, so they're going to start with a 5.2. Yep. And they also have uh, an estimated 18 million in worldwide sales total. If we gave Twisted Sister 0.3 for their sales, I think we have to give Rat a 0.4. Sure, so I that puts them to, to a 5.6. And at the end of the day, I'm tempted to also I'm tempted to also leave them at zero, but I'm going to give them a negative 0.5 or a negative 0.49, and I'm going to let you decide whether they lose a full point. You always do this. You always yeah. are like, I don't want to be the guy to do it. So no, like, it's not that I don't want to be the person to do it. It's that I'm so up in the air on it that I think, like, if our I'm like ready to subtract the point, if you would would also be ready to like contribute towards that. Well, here's what I'm going to contribute to. Okay. Unlike with Twisted Sister, where I found enough positives to hold them to zero, mm-hmm. and when I ha- when I said I found enough positives. I waxed poetic about Horataria. Sure. I, I really enjoyed the concept of that and having it be turned into a film. I also like have such a crush on Linda Cardellini, so getting to think of her oh, today sure, was yeah. a big bonus. So like all of these things gave me zero bonus points, but of I course. won't subtract from you. I will subtract one point five one points you got from it. Rat because there was absolutely no moments. Sure. And their best song is an earworm that annoyed me. And their second album did it even worse with that song. And I would subtract 10 points if I could for the song You're in Love. Because I will never forget it. You will. You will. Give it a few years. You listen to another thousand records, and I think you'll be all right. I hope. Okay. I think we're going to award points that are above average for instrumental talent for both of these artists. I think that one of the numbers is going to be the, a five and the other number is going to max out right around six. And I think it's rat that gets the six. And I think it's twisted sister. That's in the fives. What do yeah. you think? I think everything you said is correct. I think we give rat a six. Even, uh, I think the, I think D Martini and PRC both have yes. heavy talent, uh, and it's utilized well at times. And Agreed. I think twisted sister has w- good talent and is above average in talent. But I think more distinctiveness than like mm-hmm. pure. Sure. Yeah. You know, but that's, pure that's talent. worth something. Yeah. And I think that's worth probably like I would give it like a five, three, five, four. 
And you have gotten... I gave them a 5-3 for cultural impact when you wanted a 5-4, so I'll give you a 5-4 this time. Okay. Okay, songwriting. I'm not entirely sold. I do think Twisted Sister would get the edge, but because they have below the average of albums, they're starting out at a disadvantage. They are. I would agree with you. I don't know that I'm... I, I think the advantage in this case might be holding steady, if I'm being honest with you. I... I think there needs to be, even if it's only a point one, a, a point one difference giving the edge to Twisted Sister. I know there's less albums. I understand that, but one of these bands like actively pissed me off for three albums and their repetitiveness, and one of these bands at least I felt like at times they were trying and they did at least one super creative thing. I actually don't have an issue with that. So what that essentially means is Twisted Sister sits steady at the 4.3 points a group with five albums could get for being average. And Rat loses 0.8 from the average for having every single song on three albums blend together. And they only get a 4.2. And I think that's not too low for them. And it still gives Twisted Sister the slight edge. I love it. I love what just happened. And that brings us to Poetic Talent and... We could be singing a, a very, very similar tune here, because, but maybe even a little bit lower scores. Let me put it to you this way. <laughs> when it comes to trying to sit here and discuss the poetic talent of these two bands, I have one phrase for you, Nick. We're not going to take it. That's right. <laughs> okay, so these are both below average. Um, yeah, they're below average. Look... It's a 4.3 to start for Twisted Sister. I'd be okay in the threes somewhere. I'm not going to like yeah. take them all the way down to one. Like It's not actively offensive. Um, the last album's actively offensive. Okay, fair enough. I don't the remember la- the lyrics. The last album is bad. Okay. It's, so not, like, it's not like offensive, like not politically offensive. Or, it's offensive, yeah, like, like yeah. it's just bad to listen to offensive. Sure. So um, how about like a three and a half or something? I will, I will allow a three and a half. Now, for Rat, the highest I could possibly go for Rat is a three even. And that I feel like I'm sure. practically kissing them on the mouth with that. Like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm being so nice to them, giving oh, them man. three points. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like I deserve a Christmas present. <laughs> you do. You do. Uh, I'm going to order it right after the show. <laughs> I'm not convinced that either of these artists receives uh, any X Factor. Because I think the X factor that you gave to Twisted Sister in terms of the PMRC stuff factored into their cultural impact. Oh, yeah, I agree. Before. So I'm going to put in a couple of zeros. I would agree. I think I think that makes perfect sense. Excellent. So now I will give you a little bit of a rat because we're very excited about it. Uh, so start with the most thing that we've had, strangely enough, more than one. Which is when two different versions of the band exist at the same time. Rat is one of these oh, bands. Oh, no. But hold, I'll, I'll okay. give you. So the first time this happened uh, was in 2000. So uh, the band added a new member of the previous year as a second guitarist. And then at the beginning of 2000, Piercy was the, left the group. Uh, and he was touring with his own band, Nitronic. Okay. And then they changed their name to Rat featuring Stephen Piercy. As far as I can see, though, as far as I can see, there wasn't uh, a ton of issue taken with this so they just kind of let it go 
But then it happened again in 2015, oh. where different members of the band toured uh, essentially under Rat or using Rat as their their main draw. So I think the fact that this happened two separate times that band members split apart and both toured under the moniker of the band that they achieved success with. Uh, what are the odds, man? What are the odds? That's it's interesting. It is definitely interesting. Yeah. Uh, then we've got uh, the Six Degrees. And now, Rat, one of their claims to fame, we didn't really talk about it, but it's that they were a part of the L.A. Um, heavy metal movement in the 80s. The other major band that came out of that was Motley Crue. Yeah. But Rat wasn't originally from or playing in L.A. They were actually about two and a half hours south in San Diego. Uh, but one day uh, in the late 70s, Stephen Piercy went to L.A. to see a band called Van Halen and... Basically, was like, okay, we need to move to L.A. This is the place we're going to make it. This is where we're going to be with the other musicians who are up and coming. Uh, and so the band was actually called Mickey Rat at the time. But they yes. moved from San Diego up to L.A. And that's where they ended up making a thing. All because of Van Halen. Thank you so much, Van Halen, for that. <laughs> or Highlight. Yeah, I was about to say, you got, you got more? I, have, I, got I more. actually have two things about Rat, too, that I want to talk about. Oh, interesting. About. interesting so our Highlight is actually uh, another pandemic-related thing. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe you can fill in the gap in my knowledge here. But their highlight, of course, Round and Round being their big hit, it was number 12 on the Hot 100 in 1984. But then, on June 4th of 2020, it just flew all the way back up the Billboard charts to 18. So they had a song that was a top 20 U.S. Billboard charts hit uh, twice 36 years apart. Again, interesting what are the odds of something like that happen? do you have any idea why it became popular again uh, during the I, pandemic oh i actually know exactly why it's, oh, it's off of what i'm about to talk about oh okay do you want me do you want to say it now then or do you want me to finish finish your thing and then i'll, I'll mention it okay let me go to my low lane which is the unfortunate passing of guitarist robin crosby um he was diagnosed with hiv in 2001 and then a few months later, uh, in June of 2002, he ended up dying of a heroin overdose. So it was just a, a very tragic Needles. spiral. Yeah, very tragic spiral for him and the group. Um, and my meanest, nicest thing, I swear to you, I struggled. I was reading everything I could. I couldn't figure out what to say about this band. But I have told you before that they have had a lot of different versions of the group and that yeah. they break apart and form other bands. Anyway, one of these rap bands... Uh, hired a singer in, in the 20 teens, and this singer's name was Jizzy Pearl. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that was the nicest thing they ever did to give someone with such an unfortunate name such a big break. Oh, no, uh, no. or the meanest thing they ever did to unleash that name, uh, into the public sphere. Oh, god, okay, fair enough. And that, that is literally that I could not find anything else that fit this category at all for this group. Good, good. So I have two things to say real quick. Thing number one, which actually makes me almost dislike this band a little more. Before they were called Mickey Rat, mm -hmm. they were called Crystal Pistol, which is way better. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's way cool. better. Like, I'm not saying it's the greatest band name ever. No. But, like... It's interesting. It's a better band name than Rat. Yeah. But if they weren't called Rat, we never would have had what happened in 2020 with them reentering the chart. Right. I don't know if you remember this, Nick, but for the last few years, Geico has been doing different like 
play on words pun commercials. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it. They had the rat infestation They had the rat mm-hmm. infestation commercial, yep. which was Stephen Piercy's, like, like, rejoining the band after a long time to, like, rejoin them on, on something public. Yep. Uh, in, in April of 2020, he appeared in that Geico insurance commercial because they had a rat infestation. <laughs> and that's why it reentered the charts, because okay. it was a popular commercial. It commercial. went viral, okay. and boom. Gotcha. So yeah, very that, cool. That's the episode. Why don't we find out okay. who won? Uh, let me tell you this: these scores are within point two. Oh my god! Uh, and winning this week with a final score of twenty three point one. Is Twisted Sister? Oh, okay. Yep. And just behind them with a 22.9 was Rat. But, Nick, yeah. I don't think either of those groups won or lost. I know who lost for sure this week, buddy. It was us. <laughs> it was us. It was us. We lost this week. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's not like it was Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. No. no but, like, at least there was interesting things. Yeah. I mean, Twisted Sister had a couple, but, like, ugh. What were the what were the numbers? Did you say them or did I just not hear you? They were twenty three point one and twenty two point nine. Okay, yeah, okay. I was I completely missed that. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to Twisted Sister, uh, D. Snyder. Uh, kudos for the things you've done. Yes. Uh, kudos for recognizing your most recent mistake and trying to make it right. Uh, rat, don't listen to this. Please. Keep on ratting. Don't don't uh, listen to this episode. You you do not come out well. Yeah. So anyway, uh, just come back next week because next week's going to be a better time. We're going to have a better time. It's uh, I will say this. Uh, we're taking two solo careers of artists who were uh, members of bands we've covered before on the podcast, bands that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we're going to examine the, uh, the, the solo careers of two of those guys. That already sounds like an exciting time. It does. <sighs> well, you know what? We made it through. We got through another episode. Uh, this episode, of course, was sponsored by Lima Beans. Absolutely. Yes, it, uh, as all of our episodes are. Uh, respect your local Lima Bean because it will treat you well. And while we're all respecting beans and we're all sitting together having a great time listening to music, have a great day. <laughs>